We stand for service and family no matter what. I just love that we've had a very consistent messaging through good times and bad. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at Top Talent. Throughout the summer travel season, hotels have continued to face some real challenges, supply chain issues, travel restrictions constantly changing, and perhaps most disruptive, a massive labor shortage. Hotels everywhere are desperate for workers to accommodate anxious travelers who have been cooped up for two years and are excited for a vacation. While leisure and hospitality are slowly bouncing back, there are still 1.4 million fewer workers in that sector than there were in February 2020, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Here to talk about how she navigates being an HR leader in hospitality is Joy Rothschild. Joy is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Omni Hotels and Resorts, which has over 50 hotels, almost 24,000 rooms in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. While Omni employs about 14,000 people, Joy is a big believer in the power of one, the ability of every single employee to do one small thing that makes a big difference to an Omni guest. Joy herself has been making a difference at Omni Hotels and Resorts for 42 years. She's been leading the company's HR functions since 1998 and was named Chief Human Resources Officer in 2013. I'm so excited to have you here and hear your insights today, Joy. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So first, I'm going to start out with um, something that you probably do not know that we have in common, but you have a degree from the University of New Hampshire in hotel administration. My son is currently at the University of New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Yes. He is a junior. Uh, He just finished his junior year. He is an environmental sustainability and psychology major. Good for him. I love that campus. It's a very special place. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. You have a degree there from hotel administration, but you actually spent your first two years studying to become a park ranger. What inspired you to pursue that field? This is interesting. My grandfather started a boys' summer camp in Maine with with another colleague. But once kids got to be 15 and 16 years old, they didn't go back to camp. My dad had summer cross-country travel camps for teenagers. So we would take two busloads of kids on an eight-week cross-country camping trip, and we stayed in all of the national parks. And so I was very outdoorsy, and I loved the national parks, and it was my dream to be a park ranger. And I went to UNH for that, and I was in the program for the first two years, and then I discovered you could stay in hotels. You didn't need to sleep in a tent. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you made the switch? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we, we were not, you know, we didn't have a lot of means. We didn't stay in a lot of hotels when I was growing up. We camped out. I loved to travel, and I felt like 
the hotel degree would give me the opportunity to really expand my travel anywhere, not just, you know, kind of camping in the United States. So that's, that's how I ended up switching. And I crunched it all into two years, but I graduated on time and it, it was, it was really great. That's an amazing story. But I still love national parks and I still love to camp out, but. I was going to ask you, do you still camp? I, yeah, not as much as I stay in hotels, admittedly. So you've been with Omni for a very impressive 42 years. I mean, that is unheard of almost in these days. I did have a break in between. So Omni, when I first joined them, it was the Dunphy family who owned the company. It was very New England based. And then it was sold to a Chinese holding company. And then in 1996, the company was bought by Shoreline and Bob Rowling. And when he bought the company, he fired every executive, including me. And so um, I actually went to Carnival for two years. I moved to Miami, loved it. And two years after that, he called me and he said, I, I made a mistake. Would you ever talk to me again? And if you've ever been laid off, it's the call you dream of that usually doesn't come. And so I came back in 1998, but I've actually, it's, it's 42 years altogether, but there was, there was a little break um, in between. Wow. And you did the cruise ship thing in between. Yeah, we had, Carnival also had hotels, we had land-based casinos, and I was on that side of the business, but it was, it was fun. And honestly, you know, when someone buys a company, they want to make a lot of changes. And I missed all the dismantling and kind of the tough part. And at the time that I came back, they were ready to, you know, embrace a broader agenda than getting the financials in order. And it, it was a good thing. I never wanted to leave. I never took it personally, but I'm really glad I came back. And so what has kept you there for this many years? The core of the company is about service and family and culture. That has resonated throughout my tenure. I just love the culture and I love the ownership and I love what we stand for. And, you know, we stand for service and family no matter what. And so I just love that we've had a very consistent uh, messaging through good times and bad, whether it was 9-11, whether it was the recession, whether it was COVID. Um, I feel like we've tried to do right by our people. And not that we haven't made mistakes, but I feel like we really do try to do the right thing. And, and as an HR person, that's everything to me. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, speaking of COVID, I mean, it's impossible to talk about talent in the hospitality industry without addressing it. What was the initial reaction in March 2020 when everything went sideways? <laughs> we, we closed all of our hotels. So we, we, we said, we got to close the hotels. We went from 22,000 people to 1,800 people overnight. But I remember all of our correspondence and all the calls we did were like, this is going to be over by June. June 1st, we'll be back. It's not going to be long. And then it turned into what it turned into. And it was horrible on so many levels, not only for our employees, but also, you know, we're, people that are in the hotel business like people, like guests, like to hug their guests, like to have the relationships. And all of a sudden, you're, you're with nobody. And that, that was really awful for, for everybody. But our, our initial reaction was, this is not going to last more than 60 days. 
And then it did. And then it was awful. And what did you and your team have to then kind of do to pivot for this unknowing future? We really tried to come up with how do we stay connected with people? So we would do these company phone calls. We told the hotels, you've all got hotels full of food. Have employees come and take all the food. So we had like drive-throughs in our porta cashiers where employees would show up and they'd get bags of groceries. Like we were emptying out the hotels of, of things that people needed. Then we kind of switched to how are we going to make it safe when everybody comes back? So we started looking at all of our protocols and we came up with a whole safe and clean campaign, not only for the customers, but also for the employees when we realized it was going to be longer, we started coming up with uh, resources for them. So we were going to other companies like Kroger and Safeway and nursing homes and saying, post your jobs on our websites. Like we were trying to get a direct pipeline for people to get other jobs. But the biggest and most impactful thing I think we did was we have an, an associate charitable foundation. It's called the Omni Circle. And we set this up after Hurricane Katrina, but the Rollings, who are our owners, um, the Rolling Foundation gives the most money to Omni Circle. but you can donate PTO, you can do payroll deductions. So when someone falls on hard times, they can get a grant. It's not a loan, it's, you get the money and you get it within 48 hours. So at the beginning of, of COVID, when we realized it was going to last longer, the owners said for every dollar an Omni employee puts in, we'll put in five. So they did a five times match. We gave away $3 million like in the course of eight weeks. It was unbelievable. I was doing it with one other person. Typically there's an army of people, you know, we have a grant committee, they're looking at it, but we're like, we need it to go fast. So we read thousands and thousands of, of, very sad stories and we're able to get money into people's hands. And, you know, as we started to see that people wanted to travel again, you know, we had to have the offices safe and we had to have protective equipment and we were taking people's temperatures and coming up with COVID protocols. I mean, you really felt like the school nurse for about six months until we kind of got in a routine. It, it was, it was really hard. So before COVID, I know it was hard to get great talent. And I'm sure, I mean, now it's even harder. So what positions are hardest to fill and how are you attracting the talent that you need back into your hotels? Oh, it's, it's been a nightmare. Let me first tell you before COVID, it was very hard to find culinary people and it's even harder now. That, that's, that's really hard. We did signing bonuses, retention bonuses, give you your service back. We started doing all of that. It wasn't enough. We have housing at some of our resorts. So we said, we're going to cap occupancy. Like, even though we can sell out this hotel, we're only going to do 80% because we need rooms to house people. So we started this summer internship program for college kids we said, we'll give you a signing bonus when you start. We'll give you a retention bonus if you stay at a Labor Day. We're going to have a Wednesday happy hour every week where you go through training. You get to stay in the hotel. And if you stay with us through Labor Day, 
If you're a senior, you're guaranteed entry into our college graduate program. If you're a junior, you come back the next year and you've got a spot in our training program. That really helped. So then we turned it on for culinary and we added all of that. Plus we said, we'll buy you a new set of knives. Now we're trying surge pricing. So we'll raise the rates up during very busy times. We have job fairs every other week. We've got giant signing bonuses. There still aren't enough people coming back. So we are now doing a lot of international recruiting. I made 350 job offers a month ago in El Salvador. You know, in the old days, pre-COVID, if you applied for a job in a hotel, we'd say you've got to be available 40 hours, you got to work weekends, you got to work nights. We have this thing called part-time on your time. So if you're a woman and you want to drop your kids off at school and work for five hours and go pick them up and that's all you want to do, we're going to find a way to make it work. Wow. So you're really catering to what the needs are of the different positions and the people. Yes, we have to. We have to. And we also have something we call one and done. So again, pre-COVID, if you applied for a job, you'd meet HR, then you'd come back and meet the department head, then you'd meet the GM. We're saying they're going to come for the interview. You're going to make a decision on the spot. You're going to offer the job on the spot. Because if you let people go and tell them to come back, they're going to go somewhere else. So we're really trying to expedite the process as well. So I was going to ask you what you think is most important to talent today and what companies should pay attention to, but it sounds like everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 statistics would tell you 70% of an employee's engagement with your company is their relationship with their manager. If that's not good, they will leave for nothing. They'll just go to another job. If it is good, if they are engaged, it takes over a 20% pay increase to, to lure them away. I think people want to feel respected. They want to bring their whole self to work, whatever that is. They want to know that someone cares about their career. And they want to feel like, I'm not just a number. You know me. You know my family. If I get in trouble, you're going to help me. I mean, th this is crazy, and I have been around a long time, but... I came to work yesterday with, with the cast on. I have people coming out of the woodwork. The owners have called me. What can we do for you? Everyone's, can I help you? I've got food galore at my house. That's the kind of company we want to be for everybody, not just me. Yeah, I feel that too. That's why I'm at TopTel. I, I agree with you. I mean, we're, we're only at 1,400, but when I came, we were under 400. And I still feel like it's a family, and I, I, I understand that. So you're, I've heard that you're referred to as the culture evangelist. Yes. <laughs> so what is unique about the culture at Omni? First of all, it starts at the top, and we're all very proud of it. And we had a retreat several years ago, and we said the number one thing in life is to protect the culture at all costs. And so everything we do, we're like, is this protecting the culture at all costs? Is this what our culture should be? You know, we recently went through a internal rebranding. We kept all the elements, but it wasn't contemporary. It was stuff that we created years ago. And so we wanted it to have a different look and a different feel. And we know that the best way to keep the culture perpetuated is by promoting people from within that believe it. And so when we open a new hotel... 70% of the managers we will transfer from other Omnis 
so they keep the culture going. We talk about it, we reward it, we reinforce it, and we have fun with it. We just we just did this thing. I we rolled out our new rebranding in February. And we said to every hotel, we're going to have a TikTok challenge. And every hotel had to make a TikTok about how they were incorporating the rebranding. And we picked the top three and we we created all sorts of omni swag, hats, hoodies, sock. You know, we're, we're, the winning hotel, everyone is getting swag. But I can't tell you how great these TikToks were. Like one of them at Omni Mount Washington, we run a ski resort. We had ski instructors skiing down the mountain with the cultural posters. And it was just unbelievable. And and it gets people engaged in it. And it helps reinforce it. And we're all in. We believe in the power of all. We believe in having a heart for all. We believe in serving our communities. And we try to tie everything together. Um, but but I think culture is, it certainly kept me here. And I, and I use it to keep other people here. And we... We have something we call boomerangs, people that have left the company for money or whatever, and they feel like they made a mistake and they come back. I've had people like call me after three days. These are executives. I want to be that company where people miss us and want to come back. I love a rehire. The grass is not always greener on the other side. So yes, yes, that's true. So I assume with that culture leaders, then that kind of trickles down. If you're the culture evangelist, then you have other evangelists, and then that leads to employee satisfaction. You know, we we do pulse surveys. We we travel a lot. I mean, we all say the same thing. If there's somebody in your organization that does not reflect our culture, get them out of there. Because a, a person can poison it like that. I don't like that sometimes you make a bad hire, but I love when someone will reach out to me or or another area HR person to say, Joy, this person doesn't fit our culture. And that that tells me how strong it is, that they know this doesn't fit. Yeah. At TopTel, we do culture interviews. So when we do an interview and somebody goes through the, they have a last interview as a culture check. And it's with somebody that's not in their department. So just somebody that wouldn't be on their, not their boss or their immediate peer, but someone in another team so that they can kind of say, do you think this person would fit in? And the person interviewing can actually ask questions about our culture, right? And so that, and we publish our culture, cultural attributes on our page and our recruiters direct everybody to them. So yes, culture is, is huge for us. So even as a remote company, when we do offsites to spend time together, it's it's all about the culture. And so I assume that culture then translates to your customers, the folks that are walking in the door. It's a mirror image. How we treat you is how you will treat them. We have a lot of training around the guest experience and the power of engaging with guests and what that looks like and why is it different at Omni. It's not only the training, it's reinforcing the training. We have something called Omni Service Champions where every month we reward Three people that went over and above, either for a guest or for a coworker, or did what we call a wow moment. And we're constantly talking about those and reinforcing those so that people see if I do something like that, I'm going to get recognition and it's going to make me want to do it more. And is that where this power of one comes from? Yeah, so the power of one, it's really our statement that everybody 
that works for us has the authority to make decisions that benefit the guests and the responsibility to make decisions that benefit the guests. So you, it, it's not just like a nice thing you have. You, you have to do it. We want you to do it. It's not only for the guests, but it's for each other. And one of our hotels in Orlando, you know, we track every week, you know, how far are you away from being fully staffed? How many people have you hired here today? And how many people have you lost? And Orlando is number two in the company. And they're a big, giant resort. The GM said, you know, in the hotel industry, we're constantly working around the clock. He said, Joy, I used the power of one and I introduced a four-day work week back at the beginning of the year. I'm like, you did? He said, yeah. He said, admins, engineers, salespeople, accounting people. He said, I implemented a four-day work week. Didn't ask anybody. He said, I've had zero turnover in the jobs where I've done it. And I've had three times the amount of applicants for the jobs where I advertise it. This is a great example of the power of one. You're empowered to figure out what you need to do for this talent crisis we're in. And, and making it okay for people to do it. Not slapping his hand because he didn't ask anybody. And the same thing with a guest. If a guest comes down and says, I didn't order room service and that charge doesn't belong to me. We don't want the employee to say, oh, I got to go ask my manager who has to go ask his manager. Take the thing off. When we rolled it out back in the 90s, 1991, people said, oh, my God, employees are going to give away the store. And they didn't. They didn't. They did the right thing. And, and whether it's giving a guest your tie because the guest forgot their tie or diving in a dumpster because they threw away an important report, all of that is the power of one, and all of that should get reinforced with omni-service champions. So it all, it all relates, but we really try to tell people, do the right thing for the guest. We had this story um, our president told at our annual conference. And I, there was not a dry eye in the house. We had a bride at Bedford Springs, Pennsylvania, and her dad died before the wedding. And she had told our catering manager that her dad used to sing her the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And she's walking down the aisle and she starts crying. And she's like, she stops, like she can't get down the aisle. And our catering manager goes up to her, takes her elbow and starts singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider and gets her to the altar. And that's the power of one. And that's somebody that knows who Omni is and, and took the time to get to know the customer because you wouldn't have known that story if you didn't take the time to get to know the customer. It's an amazing story. Yeah, that's a great story. Well, I know that not only do you trying to hire the best people, but you also believe in what you call growing your garden by developing your current employees. So what are the biggest successes that you've seen that focus on cultivating talent and hiring and promoting from within? What Omni really tries to do is give people an opportunity. Maybe it's above their weight class. In every job I had in this company, I tell people I did not have the qualifications for any promotion I had. And someone liked my attitude and my work ethic and gave me a chance. You know, if we've got a great candidate on the outside and we've got a great candidate on the inside and maybe the inside person doesn't have all the experience, 
I, I, we still will go with the inside person. We prefer to go with the inside person. This is a long time ago, but I came on the stage at a company conference. I was in a flower pot, literally in a flower pot, a giant flower pot. I had a giant flower. And I said, you know, if you have a garden, you got to prune it. You got to water it. You got to talk to it. You got to pay attention to it. And you're not going to get any flowers if you don't cultivate it. And it's stuck. And I love that expression because there's so many different ways you can go with it. But I would tell you, you know, we aim to have over 50% of our positions filled from within and, and even in a post-COVID world, we're there. We're still doing it. That's what we're doing. I think we're, we're hiring more junior and training and, in the, and making the investment early on. Well, I want to pivot to... Uh, you grew up in Boston. They recently opened the Boston Omni Hotel. So was that your idea? Did you push for that? Did you go to opening day? I love Boston. I am a Bostonian through and through. When I heard we were opening, we were building this hotel, I, I was so excited. And then we're, we have to staff this hotel during COVID. And I was terrified. We did something there that is a blueprint now for how we open hotels. We went to the union. We went to the union training centers. And we basically came up with a game plan for how we were going to go into the community. We had a list of every community college, every community agency. I was flying up there bringing community agencies into the convention center saying, these are the jobs we have at Omni. These are people that get promoted. These are people in Boston that are going to work there. We did outreach for about a year. And we opened that hotel fully staffed during COVID, which was unheard of. And not only did we open it fully staffed, but it's a great staff. You know, our opening day, we, have, we always have a rally for the employees the day before to get them psyched up. And our general manager, nobody knew this, but he drives a Harley, you know, on the weekends. We had him drive the Harley into the ballroom where all the employees were. It was unbelievable. It's a spectacular hotel that has just so much going for it. But I'm really proud of it because I was so afraid of not, you know, having this gorgeous building and not having the staff to open it. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 people have said like, HR needs a seat at the table. I'm like, I've had a seat at the table. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm at the head of the table. I've jumped over the table. <laughs> Both our presidents are like, who's really running the company? Now I'm not running the company. I am the CHRO, but I can't imagine a decision being made at Omni that I'm not part of in any, in anything. And that's why you've been here for so long. Yes. So before we go, um, I have to ask you about an inspiring story from Ken Blanchard's book, Gung Ho. Would you mind recounting that for us? It's, the, it's a crazy story. Shortly after I came back, I read the book, Gung Ho. And I said to my boss, at the next board meeting, I want to bring up this book. I think everybody should read it. It's a parable, but it's a great thing about teamwork and encouragement and 
He said, what's it about? I said, it's this Indian and he's dying and he talks about beavers and geese and, and squirrels. And he's like, you will look like the biggest idiot. So I said, okay, I won't do it. So I get into the board meeting. Our owner comes in a few minutes late. He said, I'm sorry I was late. He said, I was just having lunch with Ken Blanchard. He said, did you read his book, Gung Ho? It is amazing. <laughs> so I'm like glaring, glaring at my boss. I said, I'm never, li I, I didn't say it in front of anyone. And when it came out, I said, from now on, I'm doing what I want. So years later, we had a speaker, Tommy Spaulding, came to a GM conference. And I'm telling him this story. And he said, Ken Blanchard is one of my mentors. I said, no way. He's an author. I said, no way. He calls Ken Blanchard, puts me on the phone. I tell Ken Blanchard the story. And it was hilarious. And about a week later, I got a gung-ho signed by Ken Blanchard. He said, never stop talking about gung-ho. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. But I, I, but I tell the first part of the story because I'm like, I should have just gone in there and done what I wanted to do. And, and, and I let someone make me feel bad about something that I thought was good. And I'm like, I can't let people do that to me. I, get, I need to go read this book now. You, do, it, you could read it in two hours. And it's so good. And, and to this day, this is how hokey I am. One of the chapters is about squirrels and, and the Indian is saying, you know, what do squirrels do all day? And, and the guy's like, they collect nuts. And he's like, no, they, they, they collect nuts so they won't starve in the winter. Like every menial task has a bigger meaning and a bigger purpose. And every Friday I have a team meeting. I got probably 40 people out there. And every Friday I give out the squirrel award. I have a squirrel statue. <laughs> For somebody that did something really meaningful that week. And and everyone that's not in my department is like, what is that ugly squirrel? I'm like, it's very meaningful to our team. That is amazing. Well, this has been a great conversation. Joy Rothschild, CHRO at Omni Hotels and Resorts. It's really, it's been a pleasure with you speaking today. And especially since you're going into hand surgery very shortly here. So I wish you the best of luck. And again, thank you for being here today. Thank you. It was great. I enjoyed it. Go read Gung Ho. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Labby. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptel.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work. <laughs>